Hey everybody, welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here and we have Wiggy back on the show today. We are, I feel like we're never going to stop talking about COVID, but it is the world we live in, Not right? Not for a while. <laughs> Not for a while. Um, wanted to just touch base and talk about something important that sometimes I think it gets to be very, um, what am I trying to say? There's black and white, very divided as far as what we should do when it comes to vaccinations. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, are getting pigeonholed into really feeling like they have no other options but to get vaccinated for lots of reasons. Gosh, I've talked to so many people from employment to seeing dying family members to all kinds of things. And so we realize that there, there is not always direct choice involved and everyone's situation is different. And um, so we want to talk today about what happened what you can do post-vaccination and post-COVID to help set yourself up for a better potential, to help fight off any potential side effects that might happen, what those could be. And Wiggy is going to give some suggestions on how to handle that. So, without further ado, welcome. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for doing it again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's important to talk about both, I think both angles, uh, both uh, post-COVID syndrome, which we actually are seeing quite a bit of, and then talking about potential side effects that sometimes we're seeing uh, with the vaccine. Uh, there's not exactly, they're not exactly the same mechanism for how, how they work, and we're still trying to figure out kind of why people are having symptoms uh, after both of them. Uh, but we are seeing symptoms after after both situations. What we think is probably happening with <clears throat> post-COVID is that we're, well, I guess we're trying to figure out if this is going to become a chronic viral issue, mm -hmm. like we see with other viruses like uh, Epstein-Barr virus or cytomegalovirus, where some people just can't seem to fight it off and they are going to be fighting it for uh, for decades. Because uh, one of the things we see with Epstein-Barr virus, for example, is that, you know, we check antibodies to see how high antibody levels are. And to kind of give you an idea with, you know, with COVID, the antibodies should go down over time. Mm -hmm. After you beat it, the, the level should decrease. Uh, but what we see with some people with Epstein-Barr... Can we just pause right there? Sorry. Yeah. So what he's saying is your antibodies should decrease over time, but that doesn't mean that you don't have your T-cell immunity. Sure. Right. Yeah. So this whole idea of testing antibodies and oh no they're gone now we don't have natural immunity right. anymore is not that's not a good no, uh, it's not. Def, that's not some a good thing to depend on to assess natural immunity sorry please continue no that's good that's a good point <laughs> because you're right uh, antibodies are only one part of the immune system they're not the end all be all for the immune system they are just one component of it uh, but like I was saying, with Epstein-Barr virus, we see that sometimes antibody levels are off the charts for years or decades, and there's really no reason for them to stay so high unless you're actually getting antigen exposure, and antigen exposure means you're still fighting it to some degree. So it'll be interesting to see as we as we monitor uh, antibodies, and we'll probably do this kind of with some of our patients that are dealing with long hauler uh, syndrome, to see if their antibody levels stay extremely high uh, even you know for months or years. And if they stay high or if they get higher, again, that makes me think that the potentially this could become like a chronic mm -hmm. chronic issue. So that's one side of it. And then we are seeing, uh, you know, we are seeing in the, in the practice, we are seeing some people that have had some issues with the, with the vaccine. Uh, there are side effects and they're well-established side effects. So it's not like this is, this is 
really crazy to talk about people having some issues with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know for sure that there are short-term, uh, you know, kind of temporary, minimal side effects uh, that, that a lot of people experience. Uh, some people have to the point where they have to miss work. You know, that's actually fairly common to see that. But what I'm talking about is uh, looking at people that are having issues from the vaccine potentially weeks or months after getting it. And so we are seeing some patients that just for, for some reason, they're just not themselves uh, mm-hmm. after getting it. Uh, and a lot of times people are complaining about uh, chronic fatigue, uh, either uh, presenting initially or exacerbated from their baseline. Uh, we're also seeing a lot of a lot more people complaining of joint pain, um, again, either uh, initial onset or exacerbated from baseline. And it, and it seems to be very closely correlated with the timing of when they got the vaccine. So we do think that there's something something going on here. Uh, what we think is maybe happening from that angle is that we, we are unsure about how long does the spike protein production last. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to also figure out here. Because uh, the truth of the matter, it really hasn't been studied for how long does a spike protein production last. It's been tested up to about 48 hours. And then beyond that, they're like, well, it's probably going to go away. So right. hopefully it will. Uh, and, so, and just a quick note, if you want more information about that, we did a whole episode on vaccine research. And you yeah. can go back with Michael Phillips. You can go back and listen to that. Right. So, yeah, so we are seeing some patients that are complaining of some things. Again, fatigue and joint pain are the, are the biggest complaints that, that we're hearing. And so we're trying to figure out how the best way to handle that physiologically uh, and what's happening inside the body. So there's those two different angles, and we can talk about each one uh, individually mm-hmm. if you'd like. So let's talk about post-COVID first, since that's what you introduced first. Um, you know, you're trying to figure out what is happening in the body. Do they still have super high antibodies? Um, but what are you, how are you addressing and treating those patients? Or I mean, obviously no one has a silver bullet right. on this yet because we're all still learning, but what are you how are you treating them to right. help them tackle these symptoms at least? Well, so it does kind of depend on what we think the reason for their symptoms are. Uh, I'm still trying to understand if this is against some sort of chronic viral infection or if this is just a ongoing inflammatory response. So we kind of handle it as if it could be either one. Mm-hmm. If, if this is a, like an ongoing viral infection, which I think is possible, uh, we are using ivermectin, mm-hmm. and we have seen some nice responses by adding ivermectin in. We can go to a prophylactic dose, just once a week dosing, and it seems to really, a lot of people seem to do really well uh, adding ivermectin in again weeks or months mm-hmm. after they've had the infection. So it, it seems to be doing something. Now, ivermectin also has anti-inflammatory effects in itself, so maybe mm-hmm. it's just controlling the inflammation. Uh, so we do use that. We use that quite a bit, and we're seeing some some nice improvements with it. Uh, and then if this is just more or less like an inflammatory response or kind of spike protein uh, lodging that just continues to cause a smoldering inflammation, uh, we are using glutathione mm-hmm. uh, with the attempt to try to bind to the mm-hmm. spike protein to eliminate it. Uh, ivermectin also does a nice job binding to the spike protein, so there is benefit uh, with that. And then um, we also think that there there appears to be some sort of immune system dysfunction. Again, this could just be from the infection initially or from the ongoing spike protein. We're not sure. So we're also using something called low-dose naltraxone. Low-dose naltraxone is a really good immune modulator, and it's very safe, too. Uh, so we're using that to kind of help modulate the immune system because it appears like, the, like I said, there's something that's kind of gone haywire. And then the last thing, uh, which is important for uh, pre-COVID, too, is that vitamin D. Mm-hmm. So vitamin D is also a really good immune modulator. So this really helps to balance the immune system. 
It also helps to uh, kind of tell the immune system what is foe and what is friend. Mm -hmm. So if there's something that shouldn't be there that needs to be removed, vitamin D is going to help you identify what, what needs to be removed. So we, we definitely optimize vitamin D levels towards the kind of upper quartile of the range versus mm -hmm. just towards, you know, just barely normal. We try to try to uh, bump the levels up. And in doing that, most people do really well. Uh, we have had a few people that have required steroids uh, afterwards just because, again, it appears like there's a lot of inflammation. We're also seeing inflammation in the blood work. We're seeing high CRP levels. And so sometimes we add in uh, a low dose of steroids, uh, and that also tends to help. So mm -hmm. there's lots of tools in our toolbox, and you know we're very well situated for that because we understand chronic viral infections. We also understand chronic inflammatory responses right. as well. Right. You do a lot of those things. Um, okay, so let's switch gears and talk about um, post-vaccine. Mm -hmm. Not that it might be completely different, but it is different. Yeah. Um, how, if someone comes in complaining of, you know, a new ailment, fatigue, joint pain, kind of, un, we're not sure, it just has started since I've gotten vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And, well, let's talk about that first, that something is, is showing up that's new and different. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I want to talk about what if I am going to get vaccinated? I know I don't really want to get vaccinated. I feel like it's not the best decision for me, mm -hmm. but how can I prepare in advance to have the best okay. outcome. So those are a little bit yeah, different. Yeah, two different things. Mm -hmm. So we'll kind of hit one at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, for for post-COVID symptoms, you know, and this is where I, I find it somewhat somewhat funny is that, you know, people come in with, with these symptoms that were almost directly correlated uh, after getting the vaccine. They mm -hmm. said, yeah, a couple days later, I just really started feeling really tired and and uh, or I started having really bad joint pain. And no one will... No one will admit that that could possibly be a side effect from the from the vaccine, but you know that's part of what we do with functional medicine. We we always try to we always try to address the underlying root cause. And one of the things we look at is we look at timing. So if someone had a symptom that started shortly after something new that started, or something new that was being exposed to them, then there's, we should consider that possibility of that connection. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there is a that there's, there definitely is a possibility of a connection with these new symptoms and uh, after getting the vaccine. It is a little bit different than post-COVID because we don't really have to consider the possibility of a chronic infection mm -hmm. uh, because there's no active virus uh, in the vaccine. So we kind of rule that out. Um, so it's really more along the lines of kind of ongoing spike protein production and ongoing inflammation. Those are kind of the, mm -hmm. those are kind of the concerns. Uh, the treatment is actually fairly similar because, you know, the things that we use for post-COVID actually seem to help also for, mm -hmm. uh, for post-vaccine. And so we've used ivermectin, not because it's a treating a virus, but because it actually binds to the spike protein. So that sometimes seems to be helpful. But we're focused more on, again, the inflammatory response and the detoxification piece. Mm -hmm. So we use the glutathione, uh, the low-dose naltrexone, and the vitamin D all at optimal doses. That really seems to make uh, make a big difference. And actually, one thing that just came to mind that I kind of forgot about uh, for post-COVID is that uh, we also see that COVID is just really hard on the body, and it seems to deplete a lot of the vitamins and minerals. Mm -hmm. So we, it's a big stressor on the body. So we see that magnesium levels, uh, B vitamins are really low. Vitamin C is really low because those are all needed in the inflammatory response. Mm -hmm. And so actually giving people what's called a Myers cocktail right. has been very helpful. So Myers cocktail is basically a vitamin and mineral infusion uh, that has magnesium, vitamin C, B vitamins in it. 
and giving somebody a uh, Myers infusion, a lot of times they get one and like, man, I feel I feel good. Yeah. And so a lot of times we'll do just, you know, a Myers cocktail once a week for like a month mm -hmm. and we get people bounce back really pretty fast. So yeah. that's a really pretty cool. Pretty Those cool Myers therapy. cocktails can be great for lots oh, of things. They're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I forgot to mention that, but that's, that's, okay. a, that's a really nice treatment uh, for post COVID as well. So, but yeah, for, for post COVID, uh, for post vaccine, uh, our primary treatments are the glutathione. Uh, we can do that also IV, which can be helpful. Uh, and then we do the vitamin D doses in appropriate levels, and then the low dose naltrexone. Those kind of our our mainstays, and they, that tends to help. Uh, and then you also mentioned that the kind of what can you do to kind of prepare right. yourself uh, if you had to get the vaccine, and there are some some nice things you can do. The main thing to do is is basically like how would you prepare to to your body to be able to handle COVID? Mm -hmm. Kind of same principle. Because what seems to be the, the problem for, for most of these things is that it's, uh, it is this inflammation mm -hmm. and it's a cytokine storm mm -hmm. that happens uh, from, from either one. And so very similar to what we do for post-COVID, we also do for pre. And so vitamin D, I would say, is of utmost importance. Mm -hmm. I think everyone's levels probably should be checked and they kind of should know where they are before they do anything because we do like to keep the levels optimal, you know, at least, at least 60 um, vitamin D with the vitamin K2. I, I should mention that we do like to do K2 with vitamin D whenever we're doing higher doses. Right. Uh, but vitamin D and K2 very helpful. And then making sure that your toxic load is as low as possible. So I would say loading with glutathione, oral or um, IV mm -hmm. uh, for a couple of weeks. Uh, we do have a nice liposomal glutathione that we use that really seems to have uh, fairly equivalent results as the IV does. It's, we we use a lot of that. And that really decreases your toxic load, so then that way it doesn't push you over the edge. And then uh, just making sure your immune system is primed, uh, not not over primed, where it's just it's it's balanced. And so we also do vitamin C, mm -hmm. and vitamin C just liposomal is a nice option, or even doing a couple weeks of IV vitamin C or a Myers cocktail before and after right. also tends to be helpful. Well, and I think and as you're discussing this, I want to make sure that we're we're mentioning that. Um, for those that are saying, oh, well, now they're saying just go get the vaccine if your person or your employer, this is mandating it. Um, I don't want anyone to hear that because we have fought alongside many people at this point who have been, um, from a religious or medical side, uh, submitting exemptions, um, just wanted to clarify this today because there it there are situations where people are choosing to get vaccinated because they feel like they don't have any other options and while that's not where we hope that our country the direction that we continue to go because we believe in medical freedom and bodily autonomy we just wanted to mention this today because it's a reality and people are making really difficult decisions right now. And so I don't want anyone to hear this as an endorsement, but on the other hand, you know, we, we value people's choices and we want you to know that we are here to discuss and help you wherever you lie among that spectrum, whether you are the first in line to get vaccinated or you are a never will I ever 
you're going to have to come after me and anywhere along that spectrum. And so I just wanted to mention that um, just in case anyone's like, wait, I'm confused. I thought that, you know, this, that, and the other. But so just wanted to highlight that. Um, we've done a whole episode on prevention and early treatment. And so, you know, if you're, if you're saying, well, I really just want to understand how do I prevent COVID and how do I get early treatment if I need it. There are several episodes that are focused on that. So you can go back and listen to those as well. Um, what else? What other updates do you have for us? You know, I think that's, that's really it. I mean, we covered actually a lot of material in a short, short mm-hmm. period of time. And I think that that is the main point of this is we want you to be educated as far as your options are mm-hmm. and to, to not feel like there's nothing that you can do to, to protect yourself, regardless of what, what the outcome is or, or what you choose to do. Mm-hmm. Because I think being proactive is always better than being reactive. Right. And, uh, and unfortunately, we've, we've turned into a reactive society. Uh, medicine has definitely turned into reactive. You know, yes, wait till you can't breathe and then come to the hospital. That's right. very reactive versus proactive. You know, let's try and keep them out of the hospital. You know, same thing with the vaccine. Again, if I, we, we've all, I've always said that there's indications for people to do the vaccine. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on risk factors, depending on age, depending on overall health status, depending on exposure levels, There's there are reasons for that. And so I said, we've always said this is about choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you, but if you do choose, I think that is important to understand that there are things you can do just to kind of help prepare your body for what, what happens mm-hmm. because it, there is a physiologic change that happens. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point, you know, it's, we're trying to get an immune system activation. That's, that's what we're supposed to do, but we want to make sure that the immune system is, is balanced and that the activation is not overly activated. You know, and so we so we do have to try to consider all these all these possibilities, and that's where I think you know doctors should be considering all these things. Mm-hmm. They should be considering all these different angles. And if you are very pro vaccine, you should be talking to your patients about these types of things. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. You know, I think that you you know you'd be a good candidate for the vaccine. Let's let's go ahead and make sure your vitamin D levels good. Let's work on your detoxification for a little bit, and then exit and then do it. Yeah. You know, so I, versus just I think. The concept of just everyone lining up mm-hmm. and just doing it one after the other without any idea of kind of their their health status, I think is that's where that's where people can run into problems. Right. And so I think that that's with everything we need to be considering all the different possibilities, and we need to be an advocate and we need to be a partner mm-hmm. with our patients and prepare them for whatever is to come. Right. And I mean, you know, behind the scenes, Wiggy and I and many other medical providers are. Um, we are working very hard to try to tackle some of these challenges that so many are facing. I mean, I can't tell you how many messages, calls, texts that I've gotten with people that are looking for help with all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so that is one of our primary priorities. And we can't do that well when we're all saying the same thing all the time and there is no discourse and there is no consideration for every single person's um, different genetic makeup and different medical conditions. And yes, absolutely religious, (laughs) religious beliefs and, Mm -hmm. and natural immunity and so forth. And so we have a lot of, of providers that are networking and connecting together for that purpose and you know people are paying attention and so if you're feeling really hopeless i just i i'm 
I love to be an encourager just in general, but while it feels like we're running out of choices in time in a lot of ways, I do want to encourage everyone to know that there is a lot happening and there are a lot of people that are collaborating together, not because anyone's anti anything, Mm -hmm. but that there is a pro informed consent and understanding the risks and understanding the benefits and and that you as an individual have a choice and that you have natural inclinations to certain things and that your beliefs are valued and so many other things like that, that is happening. And so I just want to encourage everyone um, that you're not being ignored and you're not alone regardless of where you stand on all of this. So yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you need to take this episode down to halftime when Wiggy is sharing about all the details, um, I know sometimes he can make my brain explode. So uh, thank you for joining us and we'll look forward to catching you next time.